for the 4th of July. Did we get the fireworks we hoped for? We talk about this explosive finale of Series 10 of Doctor Who on This Week in Time Travel. Oh dear, I think we all have a lot of feelings about this season finale. Yeah, just a few. Welcome to This Week in Time Travel. I'm Chip. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Rachel. The three of us are back together again. I'm coming at you from my secret lair. It's not a secret. It's I'm, I'm coming at you from the headquarters of the Incomparable Network. So if I sound a little richer and better developed, it's because I'm on the one and only Jason Snell microphone. Fancy. So while Chip leads a coup over there, uh, we are back all in our respective places, no longer together uh, for this season finale. Uh, so we all had to suffer alone through all of the feels and heart-wrenching moments in this finale episode. Uh, what did you guys, general thoughts and feelings, how did you come out of this episode? Uh, for me, it's sadness and disappointment. Just so much wasted potential, uh, so much empty storylines. It, it, it just fell almost completely flat for me. And were it not for the unbelievably stellar performances of, of pretty much everybody in the episode, I, I just don't even know what was there. Yeah, I'm not quite there, Rachel. I I enjoyed a, a lot about this episode, um, and yet the we talked last week about some of our concerns about the representation of Bill, and we're going to get into that. The Doctor's arc is remarkable. Bill's arc is not, and I sort of take those as one balancing one against the other um in in, in how, how i look at this episode uh, there's also some really great stuff about uh the masters in here so i am i came away from it more positive than you but there's still some stuff that we got to talk about i think i came down really in a middle ground like a lot of episodes this season there was a lot of stuff that i really liked and a lot of stuff that i found really disappointing. I think one of the challenges of this episode is there's at least three different stories going on here with five different emotional arcs. And there just isn't enough time to really get a good look at each of them. Um, so some people really get a fully fleshed out arc. And particularly Bill gets a little shortchanged by this episode that there are big ideas and emotional arcs sort of hinted at, but there isn't enough time spent on developing them. So I came out of this episode kind of feeling both the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows, which is just a very weird emotional place to be in. So let's start digging into each of those stories here. First, we have the two masters. And we open up with that incredible scene of Missy and the master waltzing on the roof. 
what did you guys think about that storyline? Did you like where that went? Did you like where each of them ended up? So this was actually one of the high points of the episode for me is that I thought, especially with those performances, the two of them were absolutely delicious together. And um, the interplay and the use of the kind of time stream between the two of them, I thought was actually quite wonderful. Same here. Um, we get a few we get a few references uh, both in the episode and in various contributors uh, commentary offline about how the master is the ultimate narcissist. And therefore, when uh, the master meets the master, uh, sparks are going to fly. And some of those sparks are very, very well sparky. Would it be wrong of me to? Yes, yes, it would. Moments like that. Such a vain guy. <laughs> vain guy, vain woman, you know, it's 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 all it's all yeah, the same. But it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. It does. It is it is it is delightful. The the tension between them because the John Sim master clearly regards the Michelle Gomez master as less than not because uh not because she's a woman but because she's actually taking seriously the prospect of maybe she should try to be good maybe she should um be the doctor's ally and friend rather than adversary you know he's not down with that at all and he's really upset and that goes that goes I I came into this episode largely thinking, and I even caps locked at Alyssa the thought that uh, the thought that pretty much everybody else in the universe must have had about this episode, which was surely Missy's going to kill the master. I was not expecting the master in return to kill Missy, and that was kind of just delicious. It was really an interesting moment. You know, there's backstabbing on both sides here from these characters. But while Missy is doing it to sort of spur her own regeneration and uh, let her previous regeneration move on, move forward, uh, his action is very final. Um, And of course, I don't believe this is the end of the master on Doctor Who. The writers have proven pretty willing to just simply go, nope, they're back now. They're alive uh, whenever they'd like to bring the character back. So this would not even be the most final death that they'd ever been brought back from. Of course. So, oh, the the master's indestructible. The whole universe knows that. <laughs> but it was a really interesting moment there. Um, I think Rachel Stott uh, made the point on Twitter Missy's final redemption happened without witness or reward. The doctor is never going to know that Missy turned on the master, that she decided to go back and help him. Uh, And there's no reward for it either. She's killed by her previous regeneration. And as far as we know, dies there in the forest and is left there. Uh, So it's it's an interesting moment. I do think... Playing off what we discussed last time, there was a bit more leaning into gender stereotyping in this episode, especially than in any previous episode. You know, the master makes a big point 
of talking about my next regeneration is a woman. Um, and there's one moment in particular uh, where he says, do we have empathy now? And also that great moment in the forest, which makes a gif that I like to share, but I don't know how I feel about it in context where the master is being ordered to follow uh, the instructions of the women who are present, particularly Bill. And he goes, is the future going to be all women now? Uh, there's a little bit more leaning into the fact that maybe this is only happening with Missy for a reason. And there's a little bit of gender essentialism happening there. Um, so it's interesting. They're playing a lot with gender and gender expectations in this episode. There's a really great scene where you see John Sim putting on his eyeliner. And how often do you see men putting on makeup in television shows um, like that in that context? Like it's it's they're really playing uh, with those ideas of how you should be presented. Um I saw but, that as him practicing for the future. Did you really? I didn't mm -hmm. pick up that at all because he'd been wearing it throughout the episode. Yeah, I just, I, I didn't notice that. And so I just thought, oh, he's like, oh, I'm going to be a woman next. I should practice putting on eyeliner. Oh, see, I, I saw him wearing it all throughout. And I thought, mm -hmm. uh, this yeah, I, is. Yes, I missed that. This is, you know, the master, this is this thing that they like to do, and they're going to show that moment here in this episode and really lean into it rather than uh, ignoring it or dismissing it or pretending that, you know, stage makeup just happens and that there's no uh, setup required to do that. I don't know. It's it's interesting to see them playing with gender gender essentialism somewhat in this. And, you know, sometimes they lean into it and sometimes they question it. It's a very meta episode. This oh, this, it is. This, this entire episode is top to bottom. And I'm and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that, honestly. But um when when major media starts playing with gender tropes or any other stuff. And obviously we're going to talk about Bill a little later on. Um, sometimes they're going to get it right. Sometimes they're going to get it wrong. And sometimes the people m with the most at stake in the audience who encounter, who encounter that are going to react completely differently to it. Um, so, you know, for the most part, I thought that uh, what was going on between the masters, once you put aside, if you can put aside the fact that, of course, the female master is the one with the greater levels of empathy. Once you put that aside, that I think that they do a really good job on um, playing with and subverting gender, but I'm not sure that you can put it aside. Yeah, I, you know, we're bringing in a ton of complicated outside perspectives on it. Um, and I don't think it's done in bad faith necessarily. I think it's just simply playing with old ideas and not recognizing that sometimes they're reinforcing the tropes rather than really questioning them um, is, is sort of how I felt coming out of that. And. I guess I, you know, I did recognize some of the gender tropes being played with, but I saw the kind of primary purpose of that story arc to be, you know, Missy's story. 
And is she going to be good or is she not going to be? And that um, I I went back and forth on this because at first I think I was really it was one of the things I disliked the most that she or the master's kind of story came to a head with no one to witness it, like you were referring to earlier, Alyssa. And that made me pretty angry. But then I, I was thinking about it a little bit further and it actually makes a lot of sense because the doctor has brought the master as far as she can go as far as her own internal morality battle. Right. And so the ultimate battle that the master slash Missy has to have is with it, with their self. Right. And so this ultimate battle only could happen alone. And this is how it turned out. So I think that part of it is okay. So this brings us to the second story that they were telling in uh, The Doctor Falls, and that's the doctor and how he's choosing to make his last stand here, that he starts the episode being attacked by a Cyberman, and this triggers the beginning of his regeneration, and then he just spends the next uh, hour getting consistently pummeled on by various different Cybermen and different people uh, until he is just really in need of a proper regeneration by the end of it. The poor man has been beat up pretty much throughout this episode. Um, But he's also got this arc of how he is going to deal with this completely unwinnable situation that sometimes there's clever tricks he can use like when he expands the Cybermen's definition of human to include time lores but there's also sometimes no clever tricks he's just going to stick it out in this fight for as long as he can until in the end it just about kills him so what did you all think of the Doctor's stand and the Doctor's fall? I th- thought that this resembled Matt Smith's final episode in a lot of ways. Defending the town of Christmas versus defending this farmhouse, uh, you know, staying in one place to get uh, people out. Uh, the theme seemed a little repetitive, um, but... I don't think we've ever had as vivid a demonstration of the doctor as hero, the doctor as the person who isn't just the one with the clever plans, but the person who's going to do the right thing no matter what. That speech when he dresses down slash tries to get the master, both of them, to sort of turn around. That is just amazing. And it's it, it's down to Moffat's script. It's down to Peter Capaldi's delivery. It's down to John Sim and Michelle Gomez's reactions, uh, verbal and nonverbal. Um, when Doctor Who started out... The first Doctor was clearly not a heroic character, and I don't think that there's a I don't think that there is a accident that the first Doctor actually shows up at the end of the episode. By this point in time, the Doctor has become a heroic figure, and bless his heart, uh, you know Peter Capaldi just sort of in his next to last episode, he he just answers 
as dramatically as he possibly could uh, in dialogue the question that he was asking in series eight about whether he was a good man or not. You bet your butt he is. His arc through this, he, he struggles his way through this. He does not sacrifice anything particularly other than his health. You know, he just sort of endures through the thing. You know, you want to talk about sacrificing, that's Bill. Bill's the one who sacrifices in this episode, not the doctor. Um, mm-hmm. Although there there may be some main man pain overtones here, but we'll get to that. It, it is a great arc for the doctor. He is trying to save who he can. He's trying to redeem the master if he can. He'd like to try he'd like to find a way to save Bill if he can, although he doesn't have a whole lot of hope with it. He is just the one person who keeps going through this episode trying to save everybody at um at, at in, enormous cost. And it's just really affecting for me to see that. Yeah, see for me that whole that part of it, I, I can see the arc. A little bit there and and of course that speech was tremendous and Peter knocked it out of the park um, and I think that was a, a really good piece of writing but that whole story was just pointless it I I did not care about the Waltons I don't know who they are I just they did not matter Nardal was like why why was he even there didn't matter and so the fact that he was being heroic it was he was acting heroic in a vacuum to me like I, I he was maybe trying to save bill and he was focused on the master missy a little bit but the whole premise was just flat and i and then once it got to the whole gun thing and explosions i was like oh my god come on this is not a michael bay film i mean i i, I just i was really put off by the battle of it, that it really, it was a, it was a war machine kind of battle. It was not a battle of wits. And I expected more of a battle of wits for the kind of heroicism from that, from the doctor. I felt that it was a very gritty type of battle, which, uh, I are not usually my favorite on Doctor Who. They do happen every so often, but this is, you know, the nitty gritty. He's down in the mud in the explosions and all he's got left is to blow things up. Um, That he is in basically an unwinnable scenario that Cybermen will always have more time to evolve, to change, to become stronger, to find a way to defeat them. And he's sort of out of clever tricks here. You know, there was some conversation after last week's episode that this is sort of Doctor Who gone wrong. You know, the Doctor gives that great speech um, about who he is and what he does in an attempt to stop uh, the space janitor from shooting Bill. And it goes wrong. And he's in this nitty-gritty scenario up against so many villains and he doesn't have clever enough solutions to get them all out of it. The only thing he has is for him and Bill to basically run into the flames and try to hold them back a little longer. So I thought that it was 
sort of interesting to get into that last stand, everything has gone wrong and this is all he has left kind of idea. I think that for me, it was an interesting way to lead into his regeneration arc that he is basically without hope, without a purpose to live at this point. Um, he's doesn't have something that he's hanging on for, um, but he is just sort of hanging on out of stubbornness and spite. It seems like, you know, he's, he has that moment where he says, I want to stop pretending to be other people. He's just finally got that sort of self-confidence. And I don't mean that as, you know, like he he is self-possessed, as I think the word I'm looking for. Um, he finally feels comfortable in who he is uh, and in this regeneration. And it's all going to get taken from him again. Um, so uh, apparently Peter Capaldi liked filming it. Uh, I In the Doctor Who, the fan show, um, Rachel Talley and Stephen Moffat talked about how Pierre Capaldi wanted to be a bit of an action hero uh, in these past few episodes. And uh, Rachel apparently has this great photo of him grinning, covered in soot after that big action scene. So there's a very fan. Oh, sure. I mean, he had a couple good moves. In oh, there. yeah. Not going to lie. As I, there's a very fangirlish part of me that's just sort of like slow clapping in the background. Like, OK, Peter, you do what you want, Peter. You you get exactly everything that you want out of this regeneration. <laughs> Give Peter yeah, Capaldi just, what he wants. The, the, yeah, the equivalent but, the equivalent of John Pergwee, uh getting all of his uh, chase scenes. Oh my God, that chase scene. Yes, it's like the chase scene. Yeah, I just felt like there was maybe too much of giving Peter what he wants and not giving the story what it needed. Which I think brings us to the final story that this episode was telling. Bill as Cyberman. If you want to talk about polarized reactions to this episode, here we go. There's a lot of complicated feelings in here. Um, Rachel, you have very strong feelings, so I'm going to let you take the bat first. <laughs> yeah, I was I was very angry uh, for most of Bill's story. Uh just remember last week she had a hole blown through her and she was completely violated and turned into a Cyberman. Now, one of the first things that happens to her in her new Cyberman form after she does a little mini helping get the doctor out of the city is that she is a black woman ostracized and left in a barn by herself where if she gets angry, a black woman who gets angry will harm adorable children. That is so offensive to me. I, I just, I, I, that alone made me so angry that maybe I was a little blind to some other stuff happening along the way that were more positive, but I, that upset me greatly. And then the other thing, so the other thing that, next upset me was and I can see how it could be interpreted in multiple ways much like the eyeliner thing for me but the fact that she said you know I like women and mostly my age right like it had to be one little last dig in there to say oh well you know if I wasn't gay I'd still 
you know, I would love you like to add some level of attraction to the doctor, um, which I thought was completely disingenuous. And then like, who boy, that ending. Um, I, I just thought that was completely unearned. Uh, there were absolutely no breadcrumbs to lead you to Heather's return over the rest of the season. It just felt like this deus ex machina out of nowhere for me. I felt like she didn't know Heather from a hole in the wall. She thought she maybe knew Heather, but she knew partially like for half a second, Heather the human. And then she sort of for another half a second knew Heather the space dust person. And I think that, you know, Heather, you know, knew Heather in this episode kept saying or that you know, you have a choice. I can take you home or you can come with me. But really, it it's not a choice because she knows she's not herself anymore. So for her to go home and pretend like none of this other ever happened would be completely impossible. So really, she has no other choice than to go with Heather. And Heather kissed her. I did not see Bill kiss Heather initially. And that also upset me like, oh, maybe I'll convince her with again with the sexuality leading her character and not some other trait about her. Like what are Bill's hopes, wishes and dreams? What is she, what did she want? What has she now lost by having been cybermanized and now turned into space dust? It's it's just unconscionable. And Bill deserved so much better. I mean, literally everybody else in the series had a better story arc than she did. The doctor had a better story arc. Nardole had a better story arc. I mean, he got a freaking happy ending with that woman. And the Missy slash Master had a better story arc, but there was just nothing. Like, I just got nothing out of Bill's story. I really felt like there was just not enough time devoted to Bill and her arc. I think there were interesting things that they were hinting at in the story, but instead of questioning or subverting a lot of tropes, they leaned full hard into them. You know, you've got a black woman segregated in the barn. Like, think about that for a second. You also have the policing of Bill's anger. And there's theoretically something really interesting to be done with that. You know, there is a constant societal expectation uh, that black women who are angry are dangerous, um, are a problem are not to be taken seriously. Like Bill's expressing some really legitimate anger here. And the doctor is telling her, you can't be angry. You can't be upset anymore. You can't have any of these feelings anymore because if you do, it's literally destructive. Now there could be an interesting comeuppance about that in the end, maybe that her. Yeah. That maybe her anger could save people. It was never about her or her feelings or expressing her emotions. You know, that final moment nope. where her anger can be helpful is really at moments that are directed by the doctor of, you know, blow up this Cyberman, blow up that Cyberman, um, blow a hole in the wall. Um, it's a tool, not something that completes her emotional arc. Um, another thing that also really bothered me um, was uh, the master's constant dehumanization and also denying of Bill's womanhood, 
now that she is a Cyberman. Like, there's something about a, there's a constant conversation about the humanity of the Cyberman and whether or not they are people anymore um, and whether they should be treated like humans or like the, you know, robots that are sort of plague that they've become. Like there was some interesting conversation about that uh, way back in season two with the Cybus Cybermen um, and how humanity is treating them and trying to treat them like people when they aren't. But we've got a pretty clear cut case here of a cyber person who has resisted their programming and Bill has basically retained her humanity. But the master spends the entire time basically denying that not only are they not a person, not only is Bill not a person, but Bill is specifically no longer a woman. Um, that's an incredibly difficult thing to talk about when you're in a society that constantly denies the womanhood of black women in particular. Like, you know, throughout this entire thing, I was really thinking back to the reactions that Michelle Obama got when she was in the White House. She wasn't allowed to be angry because if she was angry, then she was mean and dangerous. And there was constant, constant harassment from the, you know, crazy right-wing press about how she wasn't a woman enough. She wasn't feminine enough, um, particularly after, um, you know, the election cycle. One of the memes that was constantly getting shared was, well, if Trump wins, then we have Melania in the White House, and this is a proper first lady, a proper woman, you know, this emblem of white womanhood over here in comparison to this black woman, like, there's a really problematic narrative that's taking place here. And it's never questioned, the master never gets his comeuppance, the master's never challenged on that by anyone there. They're just accidentally leaning really hard into this whole society's denial that black women are women thing. I wonder if, um, and this is my ignorance being an American, if there's that trope or that stereotype is as prevalent in the UK as it is here. And that could have contributed to that. Like I'm trying to be f as fair as I can to the writing on this front. So I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest, but uh, it's worth exploring, but it still didn't excuse yeah, it for and me. There's something about this that I think the biggest failing of the bill arc and of, of, of how Bill is treated this season is that I think that she is being written as just another companion. And that is a problem when you've got all of these issues that really need to be addressed. If the doctor's companion had been a random a random white guy who had had as much or as little character development as Bill did this year. The cyber the, the Cyberman arc would not have these problematic overtones. We'd be complaining about the lack of character development, but we would not be we would not be complaining about a black woman ostracized and left in a barn. And those are the those are the things that when I when I look at this episode if I take what Bill went through in World Enough in Time as a given, nothing that I can, nothing that I can do anything about. Um, if I take, if I, if I, if I, if I take it on good faith that Stephen Moffat and other folks aren't trying to create a diminished character or anything like that, 
I kind of feel like Bill does have agency and character growth in this episode if you take it as a bottle and if you just sort of assume that whatever happened in the previous episode you can't do anything about and here we go. But when you've got a character like Bill in this story, you're not obligated to wrap the character in bubble wrap, but you are obligated to think through everything that you're doing to the character so that if you're going to have her turned into a Cyberman and everybody's scared of the Cyberman, so they put the uh, Cyberman in the barn, you've got to address that. You've got to actually do something about that and maybe you change the plot or maybe you actually lean in and say, no, this is not okay. Yeah. The other thing I want to go back to a little bit is Bill's departure because I have very complicated feelings about this one. On the one hand, it gives me exactly sort of what I want, in that Bill gets a happy ending. Um, she gets to go off and see the universe, and she's also definitely about to hook up with a really cute girl. So there's a part of me that really likes that, that really desperately loves the scene of Heather kissing Bill because I don't have a lot of those to look at. And there's also a part of me that goes, what in the hell just happened here? Like, Rachel, you're right. It's deus ex machina. And it also feels very superficial, you know? Like, they recognize they can't kill off the black lesbian woman in the show. And so we're, we're going to bring... Yeah, they painted themselves into a They're going to bring back Heather, and they're going to send her off with Heather, and it's happy endings for everybody. Um, and... They, it's, it's not only that. Uh, it's that... Heather says that she can do anything for Bill. She can have whatever happy ending she wants. She can even turn Bill back into a human, stuff like that. There, It's like this giant neon sign where, uh, where Stephen Moffat is trying to say, look, I get it. Bill deserves a happy ending. She deserves all of the possible of happy endings. Whichever happy ending you want Bill to have, I'm telling you that it is possible. And that's actually not quite Yeah, enough. I'm in the Doctor Who, the fan show interview. Um, he talks about how, you know, Doctor Who's show is ultimately about hope um, and about happy endings that they don't get that gritty with wanting to kill off the companion. But I feel like you're right. It wasn't earned that they put this companion through everything that they could right up to the point that. She was basically at that point dead. And then they bring in this magical thing that can save her. But she has no overall emotional arc through the season, much less this episode. You know, when I get to, when I look back onto where Bill and Heather were at the beginning of the show, Bill is kind of happy where she is. You know, she's starting to get things in her life that she really wants. And Heather wants to escape. And Bill very nearly gives into that temptation to join that escape with her. Um, and they get to the final episode. Uh, and the only difference here now is that uh, Bill is the one who offers to show Heather through the universe. And her last line basically boils down to saying, girl, I have seen some shit. Let me show you the universe. Like, is that the full emotional arc here for Bill of Bill Potts? I have seen some shit. That's, that's to me what it boils down to. Yeah, it just wasn't enough. And there were, and you know, like I said, there were, 
If they had just dropped even the most minimal of breadcrumbs throughout the course of the season with some random puddles and, you know, maybe a quick glance reflection of Heather's eye somewhere, like just have a through line, like maybe this would have made a little bit more sense. But to me, it was, yeah, it was just fake. It was just so unearned and unemotional to me so uh, we have our feelings about bill all out there let's go back to the final scene of this episode and the big reveal the first doctor is back and we're gonna get the 12th doctor peter capaldi in his utmost fanboyishness sharing his final episode with his favorite doctor William Hartnell. So how loud did you all scream when that happened? Pretty loud. Pretty loud. Not going to lie. I, uh, I was I was spoiled for this. Uh, there were plenty of uh, there were plenty of hints that this was coming. There were set report photos that if you knew where to look, you know, it was kind of confirmed that David Bradley would be playing the first doctor. We didn't know that it would happen this time around. It would be the um, that we thought that it'd be the Christmas special, which of course it is. But we did get the the, the tease at the end of the episode, and I am the sort of person who looks for spoilers, and am glad that I saw the spoilers. And the, up until the point when the thing happens, and I was like, oh, I guess I kind of would have liked to have been surprised. Um, it is a dramatic reveal, and uh, I am excited to see David Bradley playing the first Doctor rather than playing William Hartnell. I think he's going to be great, um, and I'm really excited for the Christmas special uh, to see just what's going to be what's going to be done with this. But going back going back to what we were talking about with the uh you know the 12th doctor's characterization and the sort of the arc that he's had over the last 3 years um you know we're going from a guy who is sitting on the porch of the Walton's farmhouse uh with a shotgun to meeting himself as he was not long after he was going to brain a caveman with a big rock um <laughs> This was this episode was seemed intended to be, and I think succeeded as a statement of who the doctor is now, and who the and, and what the notion of the doctor is, um, and he is about to encounter a much younger version of himself, although he looks older, who hasn't made those choices yet. I'm I, I'm really excited about this, and I think David Bradley was great in an adventure in space and time. So I have every confidence that he's going to be a fantastic first doctor. So can I get into a little speculation that I wouldn't classify as spoilery because it's not confirmed, but like I have, I have feelings and thoughts about where this arc may be going. I know better than to try to stop you. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a moment in the 10th planet uh, where uh, the first doctor is about to regenerate and he's off for a moment in his own in the frozen wilderness. And in the background of this episode, you can hear the first doctor echoing the same things that the 12th doctor is saying about changing. 
So I think we're going to get an episode where they're both in the middle of their regenerations and they're both going to have to make the decision to go through with their regenerations and become uh, the Patrick Troughton and 13th Doctor that we're all looking forward to. That's interesting. That's what I think yeah. is going to happen. Yeah. That, oh, I actually kind of like that idea. Yeah. Nice, nice, uh, nice bookend for, you know, the two masters yeah. killing each other and the two doctors helping each other regenerate, maybe. Yeah, I, I will say I was completely surprised. I had no spoiler information about this whatsoever. And I was kind of like shaking my fist at the sky uh, because I at that moment, I was so worked up and angry about the episode that had just happened. And then Peter Capaldi gives this amazing speech. And then the first doctor comes out. And I was like, I was so happy about that. <laughs> and I loved it so much. And I was like, how am I supposed to function? First of all, <laughs> because I there was like the most unbelievable whiplash I had experienced in the in the whole of new who for me because I, I was so far down and so sad and so disappointed and then i see him walk out and i was like damn you Moffat! <laughs> why are you doing this to me just when i thought you were dead to me you have now risen um so i am very very much looking forward to that and am absolutely gonna kind of treat this as a blank slate and I think this Christmas special um, will be in a vacuum, sort of relative to what has just transpired. And I think enough calendar time for us will have passed that we'll be able to watch it with, I think, a little bit more of a clear head. But clear uh, head? Are you moment, kidding? I'm going to be crying from the moment that this episode starts. Well, I'm saying relative to the story arc of this past <laughs> season. But uh, yeah, uh, yes, I there I will have a bucket handy for all my tears. But uh, yeah, I am definitely looking forward to it. And I think that the two of them will play off each other quite well. <laughs> all right. Any last thoughts and feels from everybody? Chip? Hmm. In some ways, and this is really, really... Uh, it, it's, it, I'm, uh, it's, it's a really fraught way to... Uh, say this in some ways i feel a bit like a bad ally for liking this episode as much as i do because the stuff that happens to bill is totally problematic and some aspects of it there's really no excuse for it from the from the scripting standpoint um i have to forgive a lot from previous episodes in order to get to that place but I do think that Bill has more agency than she did in the last episode. That's not a very high bar, but um, I do think that everybody involved in the uh, making this episode had good intentions. I thought that Rachel Talalay's direction was phenomenal, as usual. We haven't said enough about her uh, on this. I think that the Doctor's arc is strong and the doctor and Capaldi's performance is powerful and the stuff that happens with the master, both of them, um, is really, really clever. Um, it's a little painful for me to see the polarization over uh, this episode. If I look at my Twitter feed, uh, there are people who adored this episode 
and there are people who are livid about it, and I don't see a whole lot in between. I kind of feel like I'm sort of in that in-between place. The the stuff that I loved about this episode, I really, really loved. And the things particularly about Bill that I did not, I really did not, but that doesn't, uh, that doesn't eliminate the stuff that I cared about. So that's not clear and unambiguous feels. It's, um, it was a good, bad episode. Rachel, your final thoughts and feels? I'm just, I'm still trying to process and I'm, I'm still, I'm trying to, you know, stick, take a step back and see if I can see some of that good in this episode. But I, so far I just can't. And I'm just, I'm just sad and disappointed, like I said, and, and I'm, I'm sad and disappointed that the second to last episode that I get to see Peter Capaldi in one of the most unbelievable performances of his career as the doctor through, through the three seasons, you know, I, I only had like two more chances to see him and one of them just got blown in this pile of garbage. I am so sad about that. And, and I still love him. I love him dearly. And he is up there. Maybe, maybe my favorite doctor. And it just breaks my heart that this is, you know, on his way out. This is what's happening with this show. I'll say for my part that I'm still experiencing really big highs and really deep lows from this, that there was a lot that I truly adored and a lot that really, really disappointed me. And I think that the polarization in fandom worries me a little bit, if only that I feel that there are some segments of the fandom that aren't being heard on their concerns. Um, And the reminder that I'd send out to people is there are people that are going to interpret this differently. They're going to have a different perspective on it. They're going to bring in their own life experiences to how they view this. And that's not wrong or a bad thing. Everyone does it. It's just a little bit more obvious when you are coming from a marginalized community and having to speak up and say, this is an experience that I have that you probably don't know about. And this is why I interpret it differently. So my hope is between now and Christmas, everyone takes a little time to really reflect on how they're reading these episodes and how other people are viewing them. And maybe each side can work to break down that polarization. I, I think that would be great. Uh, we That's have, a good note. Yeah. We know people in fandom and among our friends who have very, very different opinions of how successful this episode was. Um, I've heard from people who think that this was the high point of Doctor Who and that the season 10 has been their favorite season of all time. And I've heard from people who called who called this particular episode, uh, what was it? A pile of garbage? Um <laughs> We are, we are many. It really I just, wasn't a pile of garbage. It, <laughs> it just, it. Yeah, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. You, but you shouldn't. But you fair. shouldn't. But you shouldn't have to. As a good friend of mine um, tweeted recently, as we record this, if you are telling somebody how they should feel about an episode of Doctor Who, you're doing it wrong. Um, so I just hope that the folks who enjoyed everything that was good about this episode. 
and leaned into that and the folks that hated every, everything that was bad about this episode and leaned into that, I hope they'll continue to listen to each other. They don't have to change their opinions one darn bit. This week on The Incomparable Network, Jason and Tim talk about Netflix's surprise announcement of a finale for Sensate on the TV talk machine. Lex and Dan's long national nightmare is over as Lex finally watches Star Wars Episode 3 on Not Playing. And Gene McDonald and Kathy Campbell start from the beginning with the very first episode of Orphan Black on the new Seastar cast. All this and more at TheIncomparable.com. So many feels, Alyssa. So many feels. I cannot handle all of the feels right now. Uh, shall we talk about our feels with a special guest next week? Yes. Next week, we're going to be bringing on Crystal D from Doctor Who, the fan show. Really excited. I love what she does with the fan show, and I can't wait to hear your interview with her. It's going to be fantastic. She's just such an awesome representative of the whole fan community. Uh, I'm really looking forward to talking with her again. And then we're going to marinate in our feels for the 10th series of Doctor Who, a series-long wrap-up. Yep. Get to wallow in all of these feels. Thank you for listening to us today. Uh, you can find us at thisweekintimetravel.com or on Twitter at drwhothisweek. I'm on Twitter at numeral two minute time lord, and Alyssa is on Twitter and Tumblr at Whovian Feminism. And This Week in Time Travel is also on the Facebooks. You can support This Week in Time Travel by subscribing, sharing, and even becoming a member of the Incomparable Network at theincomparable.com forward slash members. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>